0: City soundtrack On this, me and Alex talked to Jay Zubricki, who was a recording engineer at GCR Audio or GCR Studio or whatever it's called. <laughs> we talked to Jay about getting started in recording, um, how he ended up at GCR. We talked to him about some of the bands he's recorded as well. Jay worked on the new Every Time I Die album Radical with Will Putney, and that just came out in the last couple of days. It's pretty cool. I'm not normally an Every Time I Die guy, but... I enjoy the stuff that I've heard on it, so check that out. We talked to Jay about people uh, of note coming through the studio and a whole lot more. Jay's awesome. He's one of the nicest dudes ever, and he's definitely a Buffalo treasure, so check this out. And The music on this is Green Slime, which is a band that features Blake and Eric Elman of They Live. Jay recorded this a while back. This was their first record, and I enjoyed it a lot, so I thought it'd be cool to put this on and uh, show you some of jay's work i guess uh, see you on the next one have a good one bye latest episode of the nickel city soundtrack podcast we are now in year two after we just dropped our year one anniversary episode and we're here with i'm alex and we have mr jay on the podcast who is a recording engineer here in buffalo say hey jay hello is that your job title recording engineer
1: yes it's a recording engineer yep
0: Good, I got that. I'm happy about that. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. So, before we came on the air, we were talking about uh, um, closing. So, when COVID hit, did the studio closed?
1: Yeah, yeah, we had to. Uh, we weren't an, ex- an essential business. So, mm-hmm. I think the date might have been, it was either March 18th or 19th. Uh, yeah. We were officially closed, and uh, we stayed closed until... Uh, we did like a soft opening like towards the end of June. And then we went, uh, open kind of full bore again, July 1st, but yeah, it was a solid easily three months that we were closed.
0: And what did you do with your time when you were closed?
1: <laughs> At first, uh, I panicked cause it was the first time in my, uh, in my recording career that, uh, you know, I wasn't able to come to a studio and do some work and, with my uh, schedule the way it is um you know initially the panic set in because of you know hey when are you going to reschedule this band and what if we're only closed for two weeks you know then what happens to the people that we're supposed to be in during then but um, how far out
2: do you usually schedule
1: uh usually on average about three months so it would have been a pretty <laughs> a pretty big adjustment uh yeah. to try to shuffle a lot of sessions around but um
2: So essentially the way it worked out, you just wiped clean everything you had booked and had to go from scratch when you reopened.
1: Yeah, honestly, that was once I accepted it, that we weren't going to be reopening anytime soon or actually accepted that the whole world was in a really bad spot. It wasn't just us. um, I just went, contacted everybody and said, hey, listen, you know, I'm going to wipe the slate clean. I kept track of when we were supposed to be in, how many days, all that kind of stuff, budgets. and." Uh, said hey you know once we have a better idea of when we're going to reopen I'm going to construct this uh, spreadsheet and we're going to go in order and see who's still comfortable coming in and maybe who's not comfortable coming in and and how we're going to either finish their records or start
2: their records. So you have a lot of projects that were kind of cut off in the middle?
1: uh, Yeah I had a handful. Um, The one that we finished literally I think it was like Exactly one week before we closed was the new Every Time I Die album. We finished recording it. And ironically, it actually comes out in two days from the recording of this podcast. Um, And I had started an album with this band called Super American that I work with. And their record actually comes out this Friday as well. Um, So they were, I felt bad for them because they were like literally cut off. We recorded the drums and then we just had to stop. Um, there's a few projects I was mixing, um, that at first, you know, we weren't even allowed to come to the building. So it was just kind of just stuck where they were. Um, but yeah, you know, we definitely weren't the only ones and that was, uh, you know, it made us feel a little bit better about the situation. Um, and just knowing that we were fe- eventually
0: going to finish the records. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: it's cool. Um,
0: so let's, let let's. let's keep it off of COVID a little bit, but let's, let's go back to your beginning. So kind, kind of, how did you get interested in recording and stuff or where did, where did the, the fire come from? I would say.
1: um, I guess my, my beginnings were just, um, you know, I was going to Bishop time and St. Jude high school. Mm-hmm. And when I was a junior, they opened up a center for the arts and it included a recording studio. And the teacher there is this guy named Paul Fitzgibbons. And he had, um, he had a studio, I think it was called Redline Audio, and he was in a band called Consorting Angels. Uh, they were kind of like a, in the Flaming Lips camp, and I know they, they'd recorded like Dave Friedman and stuff. And uh, that was kind of like my entrance into like being in a studio. And um, the school hired me like right after I graduated to kind of babysit the studio a couple of days a week after hours uh, so the students could use it. And what that really gave me was a set of keys to a high school, the <laughs> access to a recording studio that I didn't yeah. have to buy. Yeah. And I just went in and uh, just made a ton of mistakes. Um, you know, friends bands, I just bring them up there and we would try recording. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Um, and that was kind of the very, very beginning of it when it wasn't even really a plan for a career. It was just something I was having fun with.
0: So what year that, What Sorry, what year was that? Would you say
1: that would have been probably 2003? Okay. Yeah, 2003. Um, so it would have been like my uh, freshman year of college okay. um, when I was, I guess, uh, just starting. I, I, I wasn't again, trying to do it or anything. I was just uh, just starting to to mess around with it a little bit. Um, but that's what got me on the path uh, to become an engineer.
0: Okay. Alex, you had something.
2: No, I, I was asking the same question at the same
0: time. I said, when was that? Yeah. So do you remember? I mean, the first like band you recorded.
1: <sighs> um, maybe not the first one, but definitely within the first uh, handful on um, this band called Misconstruity. And they're a band that actually they kind of got back together about five or six years ago and they were kind of like the buffalo equivalent uh as far as style goes of like sunny day real estate and like elliot uh, we listened to like a lot of the same stuff um and they went to school with me at bishop timon mm-hmm. so yeah i want to say we we got the studio for like ten dollars an hour or five dollars an hour or something so we would just go up there and mess around um but yeah they were definitely one of the first at least one of the first i could actually like remember um, but yeah, it was, it was, usually just like friends at first. And, uh, yeah, those guys are actually cool enough to like, take a little bit of a chance
0: on me. What would you say is your, like when you listen to music, what's your, what's your preferred genre of music?
1: Um, emo-y kind of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, poppier punk, uh, hardcore, uh, mm-hmm. Lately, it's a little different. Lately, I've been getting pretty mild, uh, listening to like a lot of Phoebe Bridgers uh, and stuff from that world, which is kind of yeah. new for me, mm-hmm. uh, but I enjoy it. It's a nice way to shake it up.
0: It's because you're getting old. You're getting soft.
1: I'm, the gray hairs <laughs> in my beard are leading me to those Spotify playlists.
0: <laughs> it happens, man. It happens to the best yeah. of us. Yeah. Can't all be Scott Vogel forever. <laughs>
1: Scott's looking great I see him all the time He's looking great
0: Yeah He's hard till the end though Real till the end (laughs) Yep. That guy's getting buried With like a A bunch of uh, I don't know He's getting buried with Madball playing at the funeral Or something (laughs) In a zero
2: tolerance shirt There
1: you go Yeah (laughs) Yeah that's his His Sunday best
2: (laughs) Scott likes guys That never change Scott likes himself a lot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> All right, so you're uh you, you know you're you're recording some bands. So the recording of that band was at the school studio?
1: Yeah, that was actually in a high school. That was mm-hmm. like the third floor of a high school that used to be where the priests that like taught there, they lived there back in the day. Yeah. And it was like vacant. a rectory type thing? Not even a rectory. It was just um it was just a floor of the building where it was, it was like a, uh, like a brotherhood kind of thing. And they lived there. And even like, even now, like their, their living room is like still up there and they use it for like a conference room. And yeah, it basically had these vacant, this vacant area, it was living quarters that they or they put in like a photography studio. Uh, they even did like ceramics wow. uh, for the first time ever. They had a music program. So they built um, a new music classroom and, the recording studio was kind of an extension of that, but since it was an actual, like a real engineer who was teaching the course, he actually had them build a, a pretty cool studio for high school. Yeah. Uh, so it really gave me a chance to, to learn.
0: When you say brotherhood, were, were these guys like wearing robes and stuff?
1: The, actually, the the ones that were still kind of hanging around when I was there, yes, they had like the brown robes and
0: yeah. When I uh, went to high, I went to high school in New York, and we it was St. Francis Prep, and we had like Franciscan brothers teaching, and they wore the robes. That's what Yeah, that was that. exactly what
1: we had. <laughs> yeah, no, it was interesting. I mean, uh, you know, the, the couple uh, brothers that were still there were, were pretty cool, uh, yeah. cooler than I thought they would have been. And like I said, it was just something where. You know they used to live there, and then all of a sudden they had all this free space, and uh, so they turned it into a center for the arts, which basically, uh, you know, I credit with giving me a chance to do this as a career.
0: Mm-hmm. So do you have? Do you, did you have any, or have you had any formal training, or was it just kind of like you did it and
1: you yeah, taught I mean, yourself? Yeah, that was kind of it. Like at, at the school, there was a couple uh, recording classes you could take. It was just mm-hmm. you know equivalent of like being a senior in high school and taking you know, elective courses. Um, and once I got out of there, it was just more about like assisting on sessions and, and doing a little bit of internship stuff and uh, just trying to learn from anybody who would let me be in on their sessions. And it was cool enough to let me ask questions and, you know, I was a huge pain in the ass to them, but I was really lucky with the people that I met early on. Cool.
0: Very cool. So, um, so you're recording bands. How have I not heard this band that you recorded? I that that seems like it'd be kind of up my alley, but
1: um they were part of um when when Chase had that label, early two thousands, mid two thousands, their uh Rainstorm Productions. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They were on they were on that roster. Yeah.
3: Um
1: so they were playing like a lot of those shows. Um yeah, I think we did we probably we did an album for sure way back then and then Maybe some other recordings too, but yeah, they were around for a little bit.
0: Did you ever record like novelist? No, band? I haven't. Cause I was, I was looking through old pictures and I saw, I was going to post some pictures of them because I just was like, Oh, I forgot about this band and I saw them at Broadway Joe's way back in the day. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember, I remember seeing the name on a lot of flyers.
0: Yeah. It was like, it was, I think it was Chase and it was like Grime McMullen and some other, people or something but anyway cool. let's let's get off of that stuff okay. <laughs> so okay so you recorded this band who was who would you say is the first like like band of like did this band put out did they put out like a record or anything
1: just just the one we did and you know, i think chase put it out on his label okay. um that was like early that was really early on for me uh, like i definitely shouldn't have been the one recording the album um <laughs> You know, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, but like I said, it was just one of those situations where like I, I had keys to this school yeah. and we were able to go there and mess around until we got something. And, and it was cool enough where, um, you know, for what we were doing, it was pretty decent, but like in hindsight, it, I was in way over my head. Um, but yes, yeah, so they put it out and it, you know, just on CD, but yeah, that would have been maybe like 2004, maybe
2: yeah like you go back and you listen to it and you nitpick every single decision that you made and think One about step, everything you would change well even
1: beyond that i sometimes i can't listen to it <laughs> <laughs> sometimes i pull it up and and uh you know the songs are good and the band was really good and um i know i'm a lot more critical about it than they are and and sure. the people who listen to it for fun are but like yeah sometimes i'm just like Well, you know i should have waited and but at the time you know i was excited and um Again, I didn't think it was going to be a thing that was getting released. And I think they got like a thousand CDs made or something. Wow. Um, it, to me, it was just kind of like learning with my friends. And it came out like cool enough where they wanted to release it. Um, but yeah, you know, um, I listen to it every now and again. It's usually like a, an old friend who I haven't seen in a long time will bring it up. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, I, I, I really, really appreciate the experience. And I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, but like on the technical side of it, um, some of it's a little cringy at my end, definitely not having to do with the band though.
0: I'm sure it's fine, but yeah, you definitely got to be your, your own worst critic and all that stuff. Right. So who, so who is like the first band that maybe kind of sought you out? They were like, I want that guy or they call like, you didn't know them or someone recommended them. You didn't know them personally and they wanted to record with you.
1: Um, let me see here. Out of like anything like notable, I remember it was an opportunity that I was kind of given. Uh, it was a few years after that, might have been like 2007. Mm-hmm. I was working at a studio called Audio Magic, and um, there was a local record label, uh, Amherst Records. Uh, Lenny from uh, Record Theater, the guy who owned Record Theater, owned this record label. Mm-hmm. And I was given this opportunity to record this band called Innocent Bystanders. And he was kind of reviving the label. And it was one of those things where like, I was the low guy on the totem pole at at that studio. And the chief engineer was so busy, he couldn't take on the project. And it started off as a single, turned into an album. And I remember it was kind of, it blew my mind because it was a little bit of an open checkbook kind of a situation where there wasn't like a start date and the end date. It was just kind of like just go make go make an album and i'm gonna put it out uh it was the first time in my life that i was able to go in like sink my teeth in without having to worry about you know how many songs can i record for 600 bucks
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know it was just kind of like hey yeah let's book two weeks to start it's like oh yeah sure <laughs> yeah. i quit my job i quit my job at the time to do that record and uh it was the first time in my life that i had that that opportunity um I'd done some albums before that, but it's typically, you know, nights and weekends and trying to, you know, really make some budgets uh, stretch quite a bit.
0: Where were you working at the time?
1: Um, it was still at Audio Magic.
0: But I mean, oh, the job, that, my day job, the job that you quit, yeah.
1: <laughs> Premier Wine and Spirits in Orchard <laughs> Park. I was a stock boy.
0: Awesome. Yeah, well, you've definitely taken a step up.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it was one of those things where. I I hadn't planned on this being a career Mm -hmm. I was still in college at the time. And, uh, you know, so I was just working like this, this part-time job, I think like four days a week and doing recording on the side. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I remember just being like, yeah, I got to leave this job because I, there's a record that I have to do. Um, and that's a pretty good opportunity. I'm definitely grateful for that one.
0: Was that the last day job you had? That's not, that wasn't recording.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was my last, like part-time, you know, kind of fill the void job that I had. Uh, Because, yeah, it wasn't too long after that that I took the plunge into uh, trying to make this work as a career and, and, you know, be able to pay my bills doing this. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, probably was the last one, yeah. How
2: long had you been learning on the job before you actually, you know, quit your – quit the liquor store?
1: Probably, like – I was probably working, like, part-time jobs along with recording for probably – at least five, six years, uh, at least. So it was always like, you know, I was always busy cause I had to, you know, work a certain amount of hours to like pay my bills and I was still in college and I ended up, you know, doing the, you know, squeezing recording whenever I could and just hanging around studios and stuff. So yeah, it was probably five or six years of, of plugging away, uh, until I just really one day I said, okay, if, if I'm going to try, I'll try it now.
2: Did you do anything in in college that was relevant to what you're doing now, or was it just?
1: I didn't. I, my degree is in uh, <laughs> business administration, and again, because it wasn't really this wasn't like a planned career. It was just um, something that I was doing and, and having fun with. And the college degree was kind of like, hey, you know, it's a really general degree. <laughs> so if I find a job that I have to have, you know, a bachelor's degree to get, at least have something. Yeah um and like luckily i haven't had to use it yet um (laughs) but yeah that was again because this wasn't really in in the cards until even after i finished college it was still kind of like well is this a real thing or not
2: well i mean i'm sure some of that transfers over to what you're doing as far as the business side maybe not the technical parts but no for
1: sure that's a good point definitely does and you know when you're working as an engineer like this um you know, the days of having like recording studios with huge staffs, those days are pretty much long gone for majority of the studios that exist today. So everybody kind of wears multiple hats. Um, So yeah, good point. I definitely use some of that, you know, in day to day, uh, whether I think about it directly or not.
0: And that's like a thing with people who are creatives. It's like, you really don't have to go to school to learn how to do what you're doing. Like even with photography, like they tell people, Learn how to do your business rather than try to learn photography in school. Well, you can do both, but the business part is the part you have to learn because, you know, the other stuff kind of comes naturally to you, you know?
1: Oh, definitely. I I, I think it's about being creative, you know, and it's about whether it's photography, videography, recording, uh, being a musician who's working, um, it's being creative and having the drive and motivation to kind of go through with it and and understanding that it's going to take time and a lot of commitment. Yeah. but especially nowadays, you can learn so much on your own with the resources that everybody has access to, or mm-hmm. most people have access to. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you just have to go to school for all this stuff, and now the school comes to you kind of in a way.
1: Exactly, so. yeah. There's so many subscriptions and you know different uh, online courses you can take. Uh, and some of them, I think, are a bit more fun and maybe more relatable to to an average person who's trying to learn.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. So you were working audio Magic. Yeah. Um, how long did you work there before you went to your next step, I guess, or I don't know. Yeah. I I was
1: there. Yeah. I was there until I, I came over here at GCR. So I was at audio magic till, uh, till 2009. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I started over here in, yeah, right at the beginning of 2009. Uh, at the time it was called Intermachine machine studios and it was, um, kind of a private studio owned by the Google dolls. It, It wasn't fully private, but like it was, you know, you kind of needed to no know people to get in here at the time. And it wasn't until later in 2009 when uh, Robbie Takehack took over as the sole owner. Uh, it became GCR Audio then and became just a completely, uh, you know, open to the public recording
0: studio. How did you, like, how did you get connected in there? How did you end up there?
1: Uh, the old manager from here, uh, Mike Brylinski, he was, I think, manager here oh seven to 9 mm-hmm um he had contacted me is probably uh mid-2008 and originally you know he said hey you know would you want to come over we just did a complete renovation and um we'd love to talk to you about what you got going on and originally I said no I'd said you know I'm loyal to Audio Magic and uh you know thanks but uh I'm cool with where I'm at and I remember the rest of that year um recording was really slow like I was barely doing any work uh to the point where i was kind of like yeah i don't think this is going to work i'm going to finish school in the next couple months and i'll have a degree and i'm going to see what happens next with that and then i remember he contacted me must have been around thanksgiving time 2008 and he said hey dude i know you said no but um the google dolls are taking the holiday season off would you want to come see the studio when there's nobody in it i said you know what yeah let's meet up Uh, so I came down here to hang out for a day and, uh, you know, he had put the offer on the table for me to come in and start doing work here. And, um, you know, he didn't know that it was going very poorly for me for recording, uh, to the point where I didn't know if I was going to try to do it anymore, but I said, yeah. So about a month later, I started coming over here and hanging out and sitting in on sessions and understanding their workflow. And, uh, shortly after that, I booked my first session here and, uh, I've pretty much just been working away here since then.
0: Very cool. So how, I guess, were you busy from the get-go or it kind of took time to build up?
1: Oh, it took some time. Yeah, Yeah. it took some time. Like, luckily, I had a few clients who were, like, cool about the changeover and were willing to, um, you know, help me kind of get things started over here. And, uh, you know, I think the first band I recorded here was uh, Joe Orlando's band, Mother Red. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, him and matt roberts and Mm -hmm. full Sean cater those guys yeah uh and they're buds so we came over here and um we recorded an album i think it was like live yeah Uh, we recorded it live over a period of like two days and uh so there's a few bands kind of like that that were like yeah let's set up and try this new place with jay Mm uh but yeah it was kind of it was starting over a little bit um because the place was completely different than any place i had worked before uh, so there was definitely some, you know, a little bit of a learning curve there.
0: How is it different?
1: Um, it's it's built out uh, pretty differently. Um, it was a much more modern build um, for the studio itself, and it has more equipment than any place I had ever been in. Like to the point where ninety percent plus of the gear that's in the control room, like I had never had access to. <laughs> so you know the guys were like showing off the room and saying hey this is you know this is this piece of gear that piece of gear and i had to act a little bit like i knew what i was talking about but i had never touched you know whatever it was before i never used one before because i never had access yeah there was there was a lot of you know differences with the equipment and then just uh the fact that they had just remodeled the place um it was set up you know in a way that you know to them was the ideal recording studio so it was just learning learning the way that they do their uh their work and then how they had things wired and um understanding how the room sounds that's a big part of it um but yeah after you know a few months uh, maybe four to six months I, I got a good hang of it and mm-hmm. uh yeah made it made a little bit easier to work here
0: very cool okay so you're working at gcr things are going good Um, let's go, let's, let's, let's go into hardcore. Sure. So first hardcore band to come to you at GCR.
1: Rhinoceros.
0: Oh, Rhinoceros recorded with you.
1: Yeah. Actually that record. Okay. Not only was it the first one that I worked on here.
0: Yeah.
1: It was the last one I worked on at audio magic. Oh, really? We tracked the drums there. Mm -hmm. I remember we brought Aaron in there because I had done some demos with them kind of like in preparation for the album when they were like shopping around some songs. Yeah. And we ended up liking the drums. So we ended up recording the drums for the album there. Mm -hmm. And we, yeah, one step further, actually. I remember I bought a mixing board like the week of the session and Mm -hmm. I just brought it into that, into my smaller room at GCR. And I I set it up like the night before. And the next day we started recording. Um, I I had no experience with this mixing board, but the Rhinoceros guitar, bass, vocals was the first thing to go through that Mm -hmm. um, while I was still kind of learning it. Uh, But yeah, that would have been the first hardcore band I did here.
0: Do you still use that board?
1: Uh, Actually, no, I moved on from it about four years ago, four and a half years ago, I got a different board. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still here. Uh, yeah. I just haven't haven't used it.
0: I know nothing about mixing boards, so like, how is the old board different from the new board, or the new board different than the old board?
1: <laughs> uh, the new one uh, is actually it's a bit more vintage. Uh, I just think it's a it's a better sounding uh, board for what I'm doing. I do mostly like you know various genres of rock, mm-hmm. so it's a little bit more of a bold sound to it. Makes things like guitar and bass um, kind of sound a little bit bigger than they maybe are. And um, the tools that it provides me with are a little bit more shaped for what I do on a daily basis where the old board was cool, but it just, um, I felt like I wasn't using much of it. So this one definitely fits my tastes a bit better. Cool. Very Cool.
2: Yeah. yeah I think so, Mark and I both know next to nothing about the technical <laughs> side of this stuff.
1: Yeah. We don't have to talk about tech- technical stuff.
2: No, I've it's been very interesting studios. to me. It's just totally out of my, out of yeah. my comfort zone at all.
1: Yeah, no, it, and there's a lot to learn, you know, it's, but I know you, the two of you really appreciate music and, uh, yeah. you know, the equipment that's used to make it is, is a big part of why things sound the way they sound. So I know, you know, your interests are, um, you know, definitely valid. I mean, it's, it depends how deep you want to go on the dive into making the music <laughs> that you enjoy listening to. Uh, but it's fun, you know, it's fun, uh, for like my nerd brain to get into some of that stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mark and I can come on a field trip if you
0: want.
1: <laughs> i would love to have you down here it's uh i'm here all the time so i would love to have you yourself down
0: are you there like I mean, seven days a week
1: i'm down to six
0: <laughs> nice how about, what mm-hmm. kind of hours do you put in
1: um an average day is probably nine to ten hours
0: it's craziness
1: yeah so um you know i sneak in you know a few times a month I'll sneak in like an extra day off that week yeah um but i'm usually working i don't know out of a maybe 24 25 days a month i'm usually working
0: craziness i remember when i dropped off that black x black x secretary you were like yeah i got like 20 minutes you can come down i can talk <laughs> you outside for a few and then we can yeah. go back in
1: though <laughs> so. yeah no i i remember that i um <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm here a lot. I'm super grateful for it, though. You know, I I'm definitely not complaining about it. I know, um, I know what goes into it, and uh, you know, I'm happy to make the commitment. And uh, you know, it's it's a uh, it's not even like a job. It's just a dream that I had that you know I'm I'm pursuing currently, and uh, I don't know. Just feel lucky for it. So, you know, the six days a week doesn't really bother me too much. I mean, there's definitely times where, you know, you kind of boil up to a certain point. You need to take a little bit of a break. Yeah. But I'll sure. plan like a long weekend trip, you know, every now and again and, and take, you know, three, four days off and then come back slightly more refreshed.
2: It's gotta occasionally get a little bit tough to balance, you know, sixty hours a week with uh you know family obligations and stuff like that.
1: It is. And th- that's the thing though, is like as soon as I hear about something, I throw it on the calendar. Like yeah. wedding, birthday. You know, I think recently I just made sure I had the Mother's Day and Father's Day dates for 2022 down because <laughs> people started calling about records for next year and like all the things that I, I got to be there. So, um, yeah, it made me kind of change the way I do things as far as like my personal life goes. Um, There's definitely things I miss out on, but, um, you know, I try to stay on top of it. And as soon as I hear about something, and it can even be like a show, I make sure I throw it on the calendar. And if it's a show, I make sure I'm done by like seven o'clock that day if i can be
2: so. not sitting in there talking to two schmucks at 8 35 p.m
1: <laughs> well actually i gotta i gotta finish a mix once we're done hanging out so i'm gonna, probably gonna be here till about midnight
3: craziness uh, that's,
1: <laughs> it's pretty it actually it's my hours are a little skewed like i always tell people 11 a.m for me is like 9 a.m for everybody else yeah uh, so it's a little shifted but it's
0: okay i'm always particularly proud of people who, who've done what you've done like carved off carved like a career out of something they actually love doing because a lot of people don't and a lot of people don't take that chance and I think it's awesome that you know you're doing that because people you just gotta take that leap of faith and do it and it's awesome that you're you're doing that that, it's really cool
1: yeah thanks I mean it I'm right there with you though I I feel like um you know at some point if somebody's into something and they're really good at it go for it you know and it could be whether it's music or like with photography or videography, you know, I've had a few friends who I met through music who in the past handful of years have taken the leap and said, you know what, Uh, this year, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try to make my goals to make six music videos for artists. And it's worked out for a lot of them. And you don't know if you don't try. That's my whole point is I don't want to be sitting there like looking back saying, you know, I was this close and I had an opportunity that I didn't
0: take. Yeah, I half wish I could do that with photography, but I kind of work in photography all the time anyway because I, you know, I, I work in a store and then I do weddings and stuff, but, so I, I'm kind of in it, you know, but it's it, I, you know, you've taken the whole leap, which I think is, is really Yeah, I awesome.
1: think you're definitely in it though. I mean, you're literally, your photos are a big part of documentary, documenting not just Buffalo music history, but uh, you've shot a lot of great bands, man, so it's definitely something to be proud of, and the fact that you get to work in photography too is, is pretty awesome. Great lot of my... bands.
0: Great bands.
1: Just <laughs> well, you, yeah, you've, Hey, you know what? You're capturing awesome moments. And I know a lot of my clients who have started in photography now know you as Mark from Delaware camera. Oh really? Like, yeah, I've actually, I have, I mean, I think it's popular kind of in the band world now where people are getting cameras and yeah. they're going out exploring and I have a few clients who they know of you from, The store, rather than from being in a band, it's cool. Yeah,
0: Yeah, Jake Amadori, like Jake, yeah, he's uh, yeah, he came into the store and we were talking about knowing you and stuff, which was kind of awesome. So that that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, he's one of them for sure.
0: Yeah, he's great. I love his. He's doing a great job for sure. Yeah, I love his stuff. Um, so I have I have a a place I want to go. We uh, so so I had I asked a couple of people to uh. For to I farmed out some questions from a couple of people, okay. and uh, oh, one Eric Elman gave me a couple of questions to ask you. <laughs> oh. so, All so we're right. gonna, we're gonna enter that part of the uh, of, of the uh, of the show,
1: the Elman section. I like it.
0: <laughs> so, what was your first hardcore show?
1: I believe it was Snapcase. At Showplace with I believe Face to Face and Envy. Awesome. That's I don't know what show. year it was. It may have been 97 or 98.
0: I remember I, I think I remember that show.
1: Yeah, I'd have to look it up. Yeah. Um but yeah, that that would have been my first my first one. Um
0: I feel yeah. like face to face would have would face to face have headlined that show?
1: I think they did.
0: Yeah, because I think I would have left before Face to Face, unfortunately.
1: I was there for it all. I, I yeah. was I was really enjoying that band.
0: Yeah. So, Eric's other question. Uh, (laughs) This is a dumb question. I love it. No offense, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) What's the best carbonated beverage scented candle combination to have going during mixdown?
1: My my favorite carbonated beverage would be Mr. Cucumber. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Letter Q and then Cumber. Uh, I was introduced to this by failures union yeah. uh, um, so when cafe 59 on allen street used to be across the street
3: mm-hmm. they had
1: a really good beverage cooler and i remember uh eric and then jay draper were telling me you gotta try this thing called mr cucumber i was like you're I was like, you're messing with me so they literally went down the street and they brought back a bottle for each of us yeah and i cracked it open i was like this is amazing i think jay went right back and bought the remaining stock and for the next couple of days we were just sitting around the studio drinking Mr. Cucumber during their sessions.
2: Is it and just was- a cucumber flavored soda? What what is it?
1: Cucumber flavored soda, but it it's not like a um it's not like a a bland cucumber flavor. There's like a little bit of lemon in there, I think. And it's like just sweet enough where it doesn't taste overly overly like sugared. It's just um the cucumber comes through in a very presentable way. Uh, So that would be that. And I know he wants me to say the Hills snack bar candle, where it smells like the snack bar from the Hills store.
0: Oh, really? That's a thing?
1: Oh, it's a real thing. It's uh, a company out of uh, Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh, uh, they released a candle called the Hills snack bar and it's like, buttered popcorn some sort of baked good and like a little bit of sweetness to represent. a little
2: hint of the icy machine
1: yeah a little bit of the icy yeah and i know that's what eric wants me to say because <laughs> when he would come in we would burn that and also draper loves that candle too uh yeah. but it it literally smells like the hill snack bar at least how i remembered it from being a kid
0: can you still purchase this this candle?
1: You know, it's funny. I think they re-released it last year. I saw it pop up with like a new label.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, the one I have, uh, again, it has like the Hills logo on it. It's actually, it's pretty funny. I bought a couple of them. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I know those guys love that candle more than anybody. Uh, most people can't stand it. It's a little bit, it's, it's very potent.
0: Would I mean, Hills have sold laundry baskets? I think they would have. Cause I think I have, I have a laundry basket here and it, it still has the label on it with the price tag from Hills. Oh yeah. It's either, it's either Hills or Ames, but I, I still, it still has a lot. It still has.
1: <laughs> oh, there's the candle. Yeah. Alex. Yeah. That's <laughs> there awesome. it is.
2: 16 bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For a 16 ounce Mason jar candle. That's a, is, that, Honestly, is that a
0: high I... price or a low price?
2: I think that's about, about normal for a, maybe a little bit high, but not crazy for
1: not quite Yankee candle, you know, not I mean, quite Yankee, but it's honestly, it's... I'm
2: intrigued enough by this that I, I might pull the trigger on one.
1: Go for it. You know, and you know what, if if you don't like it, there's at least a few people on Buffalo who would gladly take it off your hands. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting close to giving mine away. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, so we've got some other questions. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so Derek Dole, uh, podcast member, since he can't be here, since he's at Old Ghost practice. Did you guys record? Did you record Old Ghost?
1: Yeah, did their uh, their album Crow, and then over the years, I want to say I recorded like drums for a seven inch, or maybe for a couple seven inches. Um, yeah, I worked with them a few times. Okay.
0: So he, the question he dropped. He he did ask about sodas. He asked for about your ask for your top five sodas.
3: Okay, if, if you want to
0: answer that right now, if you need to think about um, it, uh...
1: yeah, let me think about that for a minute. We can come uh, back to it.
0: So, I understand you uh, had a recording session with Lil Wayne. How did that happen? Come about? You know, um, happen?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, actually, we've had three. Um, oh,
0: really?
1: <laughs> yeah, it started in 2012 was the first one.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then it came back again in 2014 and then again in 2019. Yeah. Um, it started, he was on tour, and it was one of those things where I think uh, one of the producers he was working with had sent him um, a bunch of songs. And they basically needed a place to come to after his show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it might have been at Darien Lake. Okay. Uh, so they showed up at like 1 a.m. And yeah. it was one of those things where since he freestyles, they wanted to be like in a studio just in case, you know, he felt like he had something to put down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he spent the night here. I think he left at like 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of got us like into his management's like little black book kind of a thing. Um, because again, in 2014, we got a phone call. Saying that he was starting a tour in Buffalo, and he wanted to come in for a few days before the tour started. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was similar in 2019. In 2019, I think he was here for like three days, or like two, two or three days in 2019. Uh, but yeah, I mean those sessions were uh, were pretty unique. Uh, I didn't think uh we had the I didn't think we were in that kind of like light to have huge artists like that roll through our studio yeah but it happened and then it started happening a ton of times uh not just with him with with a ton of other people but yeah the Lil Wayne ones were uh were pretty wild those sessions
0: so how how big of an entourage does he roll in with
1: um the first couple times he probably rolled through including him somewhere around 10 people 10 to 12 people
0: yeah does a tour bus roll up or does he like take an uber over to you (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, no tour bus security. Uh, the whole, the whole crew. Like it's. I think a couple times he actually had a and r rep from his record label with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he has engineers that work for him that travel with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a pretty big production. Um, uh, you know, security's there to keep them safe. You know, they're in a city that they don't know, and they're entering a place that they don't know. So uh that's part of um why i think they came back a bunch of times is because they never had any problems here you know we do a good job and yeah. uh, take care of them as well as we can and i know you know at the end of it they appreciate it
0: so are you working with him or are you ba- basically babysitting the studio while while his guys are working
1: yeah it's about half and half um mm. we basically since they're coming to a studio that they've never worked in Mm-hmm. a lot of it is the initial setup where we're, we're getting their stuff integrated with our system and getting everything set up and rolling basically to the point where you're going to hit record. And then one of his engineers will slide into place mm-hmm. um, and just operate pro tools from there. Um, okay. And then we're just kind of, we're in the sessions just in case they need something from us. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's just, it's one mic, you know, he brings his own microphone and um once we get them set up and you know teach them the headphone system and all that stuff um yeah we're just kind of there if they need help or need to tag out for a little bit but Mm -hmm. yeah it's very long nights yeah (laughs) it's all overnight
2: do you personally do a lot of rap and hip-hop or i know you said that you primarily do you know a lot of like guitar-based music but
1: uh yeah i mean i don't personally i kind of i got out of that maybe eight or nine years ago um just because like, I, I don't think I have a ton to contribute to um, like a hip hop session. Like I appreciate the sessions mm-hmm. and the music, but I definitely think we have other engineers who are, are, you know, better to work on a hip hop artist with, mm-hmm. um, you know, I have no problem like letting go of the reins and saying, you know what? I'm not the one for the job. Yeah. Cause I want, I want them to come in and have a sure. great experience and feel like the engineer is contributing something mm-hmm. uh, to their song. Um, so yeah, I, I haven't done it in a while, but we do a ton of hip hop here with um, our other engineers too.
2: Sure, so I'm be more like,
1: like, yep. Oh no, it,
2: I was just going to say it would be like having some you know thrash metal band come in and the hip hop engineer gets the job, <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense when it comes out.
1: Right? Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's not. It's not for like a, na- a lack of knowledge or anything. Yeah. It's just more like I don't know. Like I want to work on things where I feel like I could help the artist. And sure. Can, what they're working on and, and be invested in it. Like I could do a hip hop session, but, um, again, I know we have three other guys who work here who would definitely be able to contribute a lot more than I
0: could Fair. Mm-hmm. Have you yeah. had any other like really well-known artists other than Lil Wayne coming here?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we've, uh, I said we've been super lucky. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we, let me see here right before, Lil Wayne started popping in. We had Bob uh, and Jesse J come here. Um, they worked on that song "Price Tag" that she had. That they did his parts here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in in you know, I'm trying to think over the span of the years, we've had James Taylor.
0: James uh, Taylor, wow.
1: Yeah, That's I have, cool. I have a credit on his album uh, for uh, assistant engineer. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> he came in. We worked on a couple songs here. Um, corn came in we had uh
2: let's see here
0: stop laughing out they have tracks corn has <laughs> tracks
2: i mean if they do it's jay's it's jay's magic
1: no I, that was more That was just a rehearsal thing yeah, we did uh i did a song with taking back sunday yeah. i did a song with the men singers like we've had some cool bands and artists come through mm-hmm. over the years that um you know, some of it's planned, some of it's, they call like a week before and say, hey, we're going to be in town on tour mm-hmm. and either we want to do a song or sometimes they just need like a, like with corn. they just need like a private facility to rehearse in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot of that. We've been pretty lucky over here.
0: Yeah. Are there, um, so, I mean, you work with, you work with like mostly rock stuff. Are there, um... Are there, are there genres that are easier to work with than other genres as far as recording?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, and not, like, easier as far as, like, oh, I could be lazy on this one, but, like, yeah. easier, meaning, like, there's not as much detail. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, you could work on, you know, kind of like an alternative rock band that's looking for a pretty straightforward drums, bass, guitar, vocal recording.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but then you could be working on like a technical metal band that requires a ton of editing and, you know, almost as much time editing as you do recording. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely like I, I would say there are definitely are styles that are a little bit easier to work on than others. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just really depends on what the artist is looking for.
0: So when you say editing, it's like when people talk about like editing drums and all that jazz and having to do all that stuff. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Yep, editing the drums, I've, editing vocals.
0: I've heard, I've heard of that. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's become a big part of it, you know. Um, yeah. There's a lot of, you know, engineer influence on a lot of the records we listen to now, and yeah. um, you know, it, it depends on what the style is. Uh, you know, I still have bands that they just want to sound like themselves, you know, and I respect that. So, what can I do to help them? You know, get the idea in their head. Mm-hmm. uh to come through the speakers the way that they want it to and not just me turning it into something that doesn't really happen with hardcore
0: right like a lot of editing and stuff right bands pre- will um, use would you say pretty much want to sound uh, like themselves
1: yeah i mean for the most part they want to sound like themselves i'd say but mm-hmm. there's definitely some editing that's involved you know it depends on the the artist and the project but you yeah. know tightening up the drums a bit and and things like that is pretty yeah. common
0: yeah definitely um do I know like Griselda's big in Buffalo. Did those guys come through the studio?
1: Yeah, actually, um, Benny and Conway and Westside gun. They all, they all, uh, record here. Uh, I say Benny was in the most recent. Uh, yeah, he was in maybe three weeks ago doing some stuff, but, um, yeah, they, they work, uh, with a couple of our engineers, um, primarily, uh, this guy, Elijah hooks, who's one of our engineers. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, they they've been in a ton over the past few years. Uh, I know they're always working on new material, and uh, they're extremely hard workers. So I feel like anytime like Westside Guns in town, he's he's stopping in, and Elijah's got a lot of good projects going on with them.
0: Yeah, it seems like something's coming out for them like every other week and stuff. So it's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, no, I love seeing it because you know you always wonder like you know. W- how often should people be releasing music and what yeah. on the genre and you know sometimes for like a band to release music that often it's like first of all it might be tough to to wrap your head around like that many songs so like what they're doing it just it's so impressive to me that they're able to do it and it's all it's they've had great success i mean yeah. it's I had a ton of respect for them yeah
0: definitely putting buffalo on the map again for you know for whatever they're doing, you know, you know, it's, it's cool. Right. Yeah. Makes you proud to be a Buffalonian or something.
1: <laughs> We're talking proud.
0: <laughs> something like that. <laughs> so did you think about those sodas?
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a few, um, yeah, Mr. Cucumber one is, is definitely up there on the list for me. Um, mm-hmm. there was, there's one that, uh, that Jay brought me it again. It's, uh, not a it's not a true soda but it's a it's a beverage like that it's a a white tea that's honeydew um Mm -hmm. and it tastes like if you had honeydew like sitting in a bowl like a fruit salad kind of a thing um (laughs) super accurate um there's let's see here um i don't know i've been really into seltzers lately
2: um what's your go-to
1: the My go-to, it depends on the time of year. During the summer, I really like those uh, polar lemonade and limeade series ones. The tart cherry limeade one is super good. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been really into Topo Chico mineral water lately. Um, the, the plain one and then the, the twist of grapefruit, the twist of lime. Uh, Topo Chico is definitely up there for me. And then I just started, I just tried some of that liquid death uh, yeah. uh, mineral water. Yeah kind of turned off by the name for a while then one of my friends was like it's actually good so i went i bought a can <laughs> actually it is really good yeah. so i've been messing with that a little bit lately but yeah there's a lot of great beverages out there and mm-hmm. uh you always go to was it thirsty that's right
0: jay had like didn't he have like a <laughs> blog or something where he sampled yeah. sodas and stuff is that yeah. still going
1: i i want to say they revived it they have like <laughs> two thousand or three thousand reviews it's
3: it's nuts
1: uh, yeah it's it's pretty wild and that's the thing i always love recording him because he always brings some exotic thing that i've never heard of and he's just like oh you gotta drink this you know and yeah i found some really good drinks two of my favorite drinks have come from either him or eric
0: one of my favorite things to do on a road trip is like you go into like a quickie mart or something and you find a soda that you've never seen before you oh yeah, try it, right? You gotta, you gotta. When in Rome, right? <laughs>
2: I've I've made some great polls doing that. One of my one of my favorites was, uh, are you familiar with Pokari Sweat? No. Oh. So Pokari Sweat is it's uh, it's a Japanese like sports drink, and it's basically like a Fresco or Gatorade, but wow. the it looks like a bootleg Coke can or bottle, however you get it, uh, but in blue instead of red. And the first time I was ever in Dubai, I found that in a bodega, and I was like, "I this looks horrendous. I got to try it." And it was actually absolutely delicious. Yeah, but you wow. can get it at Asian markets around here. Okay, it's called, called Pokari Sweat. You can get like liter and a half bottles, stuff like that. Uh, you can get you can get six packs of cans sometimes at pretty much any Asian market in the area. Like, there's at least a 50-50 chance that they're going to have it, but uh, yeah it's it's fantastic
1: oh I'm gonna nice. try that for sure what nice. about you Mark? what's your favorite
0: my favorite drink right now right now or all time or what are we talking about
1: what's what's got you going right now
0: <laughs> you know I'm, I'm a fan of of 7-eleven half and half for some reason okay it's, it's good and it's 80 calories in the bottle so it's I can cheat on my diet soda thing and not feel so bad about it. So
2: (laughs) I'm into that. Yeah. Pokari Sweat is not top of my list, but it might be my favorite, like, weird-ass bodega find.
0: But you know what's good, though? Um, uh, Lime Crush and Soda Mousse, the Canadian cream soda. It's great. It's pink cream soda. but it's No, it's, it's better than that. When we can get back when we when we can get back to Canada, we're gonna you're gonna try some or smuggle some
1: back for us, right?
2: (laughs) You know, I'm I'm running low on one of my very favorite drinks. I stocked up a long time ago, but it's my favorite seltzer, and it is not available. It's uh, it's it's like a limited edition polar, and it's called Mermaid Songs. Yeah. Oh. It is unreal. It is the perfect drink. It's the most refreshing what? thing in the world. And all they sell it in is those little like eight o- uh, eight ounce cans.
1: What kind of and, flavors uh, are we working with there?
2: It, I think mermaid songs is uh, the thing that it's most commonly compared to is like essence of Swedish fish as a seltzer.
0: Wow. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice.
2: You know Sweet. what, man, Jay, because you've been such a gracious guest. If we ever know that we're going to run into each other, you, you <laughs> let me know and I'll bring you one. <laughs> I appreciate
1: that. I would love to try the mermaid song. <laughs>
0: so, so we have another question that Derek Dole yeah. sent in: top three eateries to send bands while they're record, send ba- send bands to while they're recording.
1: Okay, yeah, um, definitely Bread Hive.
0: Okay,
1: um, I want to say m- as long as it's. Let me see here. Thursday through Sunday, or Thursday through Monday. Yeah. Um, we're definitely getting breakfast or lunch at Bread Hive. Okay. Um, <laughs> Elmwood Market, which is a block away from the studio.
0: We used to um, live over there. Me and Alex lived in the Ambassador apartment oh, okay. over there. Yeah. So
1: you know the magic of the uh, the They're fairly expensive. Well, yeah, the, the fairly inexpensive breakfast sandwiches, the the subs that are very cheap, uh, but still really good. Yeah, um, six
2: bucks for a for a whole Boar's Head sub?
1: Yes. That's, you can't beat it. No, you can't. And um, they also let you like pick the cheese, like the Yancey's Fancy. So I really appreciate that. Uh, that's definitely a place where the bands that I work with that are from out of town that come here to record with me uh, – that seems to be a place that they always hit when they're on tour, um, if they're playing Buffalo or even just driving through the area, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, we stopped to be grabbed twelve breakfast sandwiches and blah blah blah." Um, so I'm the with dudes market. that own
2: that place are so fucking cool too. Nice I'll guys. I'll tell
1: you what, at least fifty percent of the time they come out from behind the counter and give me one of like the half like hug slap up thing. <laughs> Same. Um, they're yeah, they're super nice. Um, so that's definitely a place, and then. Um, we do a lot of, uh, a lot of Cafe 59 because of the polenta wings and the chicken finger subs.
2: Chicken finger sub is the best in town. It's not exactly traditional, but man, it's good.
1: It's really good. And I, I'll tell you what, I've been working with Hourglass lately on their album and I want to say every single session we've ordered from there. Nice. Um, because it was like, we ordered them the first day. Then it's just kind of like, well, you know what? What you had the other day looked really good. So I want that <laughs> and vice versa. And oh, while we're there, let's throw in some polenta wings. So yeah, I'd say those, those three places, um, you know, we order a lot from.
2: So you're right by, right by Allen and Elmwood then?
1: Yeah. I'm at Franklin and North.
2: Oh, okay. I, yep. yeah, I just, I mean, I was, I don't know where the studio is or I didn't.
1: Yeah. We're, we're in the kinda... parking lot where everybody skates.
0: Across some Walgreens, Alex. I got
1: you. Yeah, yeah, Franklin North, yeah. No, I I got you. Yeah, Yeah, but yeah, we're right in that neighborhood. So, yeah, those places, uh, we frequent those places a lot. Um, There's a a ton of places, though, that we we have in the area. We're really lucky, you know, and Buffalo's got some great food. And, um, again, the bands that travel here to work, uh, they typically find at least two or three places that become their regular spots when they're back in town the next time.
0: So how's that hourglass recording going? Are they, how far along are they?
1: Good. It's going really well. Um, let me see here. We are at the point where we have one more session left to finish up vocals and maybe a little extra guitar work. Mm -hmm. Um, but besides that, it's just, it's just editing and mixing that's left. So, uh, it's going really well though. Uh, I've known Gerald for a few years now, um, I want to say I met him through the Elmens. So another yeah. shout out to Eric and Blake, but, um, yeah, you know what? We became buddies and he, he, he asked me probably over a year ago, if I'd be interested in, in working on hourglass with him, cause he thought they were going to revive it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had sent me, you know, their, their stuff from years ago. And I said, this is great. So yeah, record's yeah, going really well. Um, you know, the guys have been great to work with, um, mm. I'm I'm really excited for people to hear it. You know, they're taking more of a live approach. We're doing a lot of the music tracking all together in the same room. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it definitely has a cool feel to it. Uh, It really feels like a band performing the record for you. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to finishing it up, uh, but they're doing a great job.
0: Awesome. Very cool. I've always been a huge hourglass supporter so i'm looking forward to hearing the new stuff whenever that that happens our glass
2: is cool and adding aaron to basically any equation just makes it better definitely
1: yeah you know yeah aaron's great i um it's funny because i had always you know before i met him i just knew him as a guy who played in a bunch of different bands and i want to say i met him he was maybe playing in kid gorgeous i did like a ep with kid gorgeous Mm -hmm. and that's where, like, I met Aaron, I believe, and then also he started to show up a bunch. He came in with uh, orations a few times, and he came in. He's been on the Hourglass sessions, and he's been through quite a bit over the years, yeah. but I felt like once we, like, met, then also I started seeing him a ton, so it's been yeah. great.
0: Yeah. Um, do, you ever, I, I, do you ever play anything on the recordings that you do? Weird question, but... <laughs>
1: um sometimes i mean i'm not good at guitar i suck pretty bad but i i started off music by playing guitar um so every now and again like i'll i'll have an idea and sometimes it's just a little bit easier just to pick it up and play it yeah um there's definitely a ton of recordings i've played guitar on Mm -hmm. um i sing sometimes on recordings
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, people don't always know that but I'll i'll sing parts um It could be something that I'm hearing. I just go in there and it's just easier to lay it down. Or sometimes, um, you know, I can sing uh, higher than I thought I could ever sing. (laughs) Uh, So there's some of those parts that are a little bit out of reach for for a band. And I'll go sing like a high part, a high harmony or something. So, yeah, I'm definitely, um, you know, contributing in that way as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But definitely not because I'm good at guitar or anything. I'm definitely not good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just to get an idea out there. (laughs)
0: so here's here's one final question um are there is there a recording or two that you're particularly proud of um there's actually there's a lot Mm
1: -hmm. um it's hard it's hard to pinpoint it because uh when you're working on a like a record with a band uh Mm -hmm. and you're the engineer's seat you're definitely kind of you're helping put some of your stamp on there Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes like an extra member of the band, mm-hmm. um, but I want to say like I'm always trying to get better, you know, yeah. at what I'm doing. So, you know, when I listen to records that I've that I've done, you know, something that I'm doing now, um, at the time I might be like, oh, this sounds better than something I did ten years ago. Mm-hmm. But the thing I did ten years ago, I remember feeling super proud of it at the time, yeah. and still am proud of it because, you know, it's not just about what i'm doing it's also kind of about it's really about how you're helping the band accomplish a goal and mm-hmm. get their songs put together um so yeah I, I wouldn't be able to pinpoint it to a recording or even all a yeah
0: all good but yeah so i mean that, that's a fair answer
1: <laughs> the, the black axe seven inch
0: there you go <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you give everyone that treatment? Like I remember when I was fucking up the the vocals, like you would like I would be like fuck, and you would like play it like five times in a row. When I would be like fuck, you like fuck, 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 and back in back in my headphones. Do you remember? Oh yeah, that I did, I did.
1: yeah, I did it yesterday.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: did you? Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I mean,
3: That's sometimes always...
1: that that lightens the mood a little bit. You know, if somebody's feeling a little tense or definitely working at it for a few hours, sometimes you need to. You know, you need to make a little beat out of the profanity and play it back for the singer or play it back at half speed. Um, there's a lot of stuff like that that yeah. oh yeah, definitely every session I do that.
0: Definitely yeah, that, that was that was good. Yeah, yeah, I I uh yeah, that that
1: was fun. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, definitely. That yeah, was the first time that's the first time I met you. I didn't know you before yeah. that.
0: Yeah, yeah. The black I always
1: I always knew of you as the photographer. And then uh Eric's like, oh yeah, Mark's singing. I was like, Oh, that's cool.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad that's your favorite recording of all time. Cut the episode. Yes.
1: That, and <laughs> yep. <cut right>
0: <laughs> well, um, thank you for coming on the podcast and ushering in the second year of Nickel City soundtrack. Uh, we really Thanks appreciate you. Me.
1: Yeah, appreciate you having me on here. It's uh been fun and you know, I, I keep up with your episodes. So I, I'm enjoying learning a lot about uh you know, some of the episodes I learned about the time before I started coming to shows and Mm -hmm. and working with bands. So uh, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. Awesome.
2: That's awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. Get back to work. Oh yeah. I'm definitely (laughs) going (laughs) to. Thanks again for joining us, man. Yeah. Anytime.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me on here.
0: Awesome.